is a player profiler faithful. It's Matty Kimum. Welcome to episode 29. Jeez, 29 of these things. I love it. Of the game plan this episode, ladies and gents, are I mean, it's going to be epic. So get ready for a tidal wave of information. My guest is one of the smartest guys in the business, and we're talking about advanced analytics, baby. So Gang, get out your pens and your pads and let's start game planning to win in our Dynasty Leagues. Planners, my guest for this episode is an integral part of the player profiler operation. He is very intelligent. Matter of fact, he was once called a human calculator. Meanwhile, I'm a human who can uh, basically barely use a calculator. He is the mastermind behind the breakout finder the Injury Finder, our DFS projections, and a ton more. He also can kick a field goal if you need him in a pinch. I'm talking about the Director of Analytics here at Player Profiler, Mr. Dario Ofstein. Dario, what is up, my brother? What's up, what's up? I mean, happy to be here. Hope you guys are all out there having a good weekend. It's just, you know, very, I think, is this the first show we've done together? It feels like, I think it is, I but so. it just feels like, I've been uh, aware of this show for so long. I can't believe it's it's already only my first appearance. Yeah, this is our first time collabing on a project, and I got to be honest, I have I've been excited to have all of my guests on, but having you on, I've been super super excited because I'm a guy who loves analytics, but I don't kid myself. I'm not the smartest guy in the room, so I'm kind of learning how to still better utilize analytics, kind of learning what I can use, what I cannot. I've kind of got a good grasp on the baseball analytics, WRC+, plus, hard hit mm-hmm. rate, batted ball rate, all that good stuff. So I'm excited to talk to you today about and, and more advanced analytics in football and how I can you know get a little better in fantasy. But hey, it's our first time together. I think it's gonna it's gonna feel like, it's gonna feel like we've been doing it for years. That's how that's how the game plan is. It's nice. It's relaxed. And it's everything. But uh, you're over uh, in vac. You're on a little vacay, so it's extra special that you joined us today, huh? Yeah, it's a. I guess it's a work from not home situation. I'm uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. visiting some family down in South America in, in Bogota, Colombia, right now. Um, but you know, wherever there's internet, there's player profiler and there's work to be done. So <laughs> that's, that's me right now. This, this week was a busy one. We're going to be pumping out so many cool features on player profiler this next week or two. Like everyone, you guys better keep your eyes peeled. Cause there's just going to be stuff flying left and right. So many cool new features that are in the works right now. I mean, I just can't wait to be able to talk about those, but even with oh, what yeah. we're going to talk about today, like it's, it's going to be pretty sick. Oh, yeah. So like we do on the game plan in the offseason, we're doing a little big picture thing when we're talking about advanced analytics. But then we're going to kind of focus it on certain tools that you can use to take your dynasty gaming to the next level. My man Jeffrey in the chat said he's a game plan virgin. Well, we'll be gentle. But I don't know. This is a this is a good episode to come into because we are going to have a whole boat. I, I think he might be referring to me as the game plan virgin. Oh, maybe he is. Maybe. OK. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, most people are. I mean, I've only had a, I haven't had any repeat guests yet, so I guess technically everyone is a repeat version. So, Jeff, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for tuning in. Hopefully, you're not a version. Hopefully, you do this every single week. So, get all that good info. But uh, I do like to surprise my guests with a little question, a couple questions actually, that weren't in the show sheet. How long have you been playing fantasy football? And go ahead and describe how your uh, fantasy management style is. Okay, I guess I started playing. I think I was probably in like sixth or seventh grade when I was hopping into like random ESPN free public leagues, you know, yeah, that deal yeah. back in like, 
I guess that would have been like 2012, 2013, maybe had a league with my buddies in high school starting like freshman or sophomore year. And, uh, you know, I've just been obsessed ever since. And then I think my management style, it's funny because, you know, I, I think I, I would like to be more active than I am. I, it's like I spend every second of every day just like running code and stuff to keep the, the numbers on our site working that it, it it's like by, by the time it's like, oh, man, let me think about what I need to do on my rosters. It's like uh, I need to go to bed. Like, so yeah. I think that I'm more <laughs> a bit more passive at the moment than I would like to be. But I think that, you know, my strategy, at least I believe in, especially in Dynasty, it just comes down to continuing to make sharp trades, accruing value, knowing your, know your roster, right? Like if you're not a contender, don't kid yourself and don't lean too hard into the rebuild either. I think a lot of times people will like, oh, I have every pick in the first round. It's like, great. You have, you're, you're not, you're not going to go, go anywhere for the next three years any, either. So mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's a delicate balance, but I think self-awareness first and foremost and just you know knowing knowing your roster know your holes just things like that know your holes quote clip that perfect absolutely (laughs) perfect know your holes no dario that's that that's a good point to make information is key we talked about it last week knowing your league mates knowing your roster settings your scoring settings know every bit of your league so that you can take advantage of the market that develops around it but and also, think, you know, be, be, be aware of some of the advanced analytics and stuff like that. So, Dario, keep going. Mm-hmm. Let people know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's what I'm here for. And then I think also if you guys are tuning into the new Man versus Machine show with myself and Billy Muzio, I, I'm the machine in case that wasn't clear. But, um, <laughs> but the I T-1000, Dario Ofstein. Yeah, one thing that, that we really – I think I found myself emphasizing this last episode is like you don't win championships – with consistency, you win championships with upside. So you take those swings. I think that's why Anthony Richardson is, to me, the clear QB1 mm. in this class, for example, for fantasy football. And quite possibly for, for from the NFL perspective, too, it's like you, you just got to take those swings when you get them. Everyone thought Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes were were a bit you know out of, like out of the box first-round mm-hmm. picks, and now they're two of the best quarterbacks in the game. So I think you got to take those swings, be it, in fantasy or from an NFL front office perspective. Very good point. I mean, think of just who ranks at the top of dynasty formats. Allen was a project. Mahomes is considered a project. Lamar Jackson was taken at the end of the first round, considered a project. Justin Herbert kind of flew under the radar. Joe Burrow might be the only bona fide, like the one Oh one in that draft. Mm-hmm. That's in the top five. Yeah. You know, I Trevor mean, Lawrence Justin Herbert, way, but still. yeah, I remember Justin Herbert when he came out, there was a lot of, lot of skepticism. I, I definitely mm-hmm. was not, fully on board with him everyone was like oh this guy's just a big arm like his his stats from at oregon didn't particularly blow people away but yeah it's like he, he's just complete it's crazy to think that the only reason he became a starter was because a doctor just punctured tyrod taylor's <laughs> lung like the nfl wild. is wild man wild tyrod taylor i mean he's a he's a professional he could have held that held down the quarterback position for five games four games six games who knows all of a sudden the doctor can't get the yeah. can't get it right. Punctures his lung, and it's off to the races for <laughs> Justin Herbert. So you know things can happen. A whole bunch of crazy things can happen. But today we are focusing on using NFL analytics. You know and how we can utilize them in fantasy football. So the first question, Dario, as we dive on into the absolute deepest end we've ever dove into here in the game plan, what is your general definition of advanced analytics? So I think this is an interesting question to start off with because because I, I saw it and I think that people have this perception of like, oh, it's film versus analytics. You've got to be in one side or the other. 
And like it's it, for a long time, it's been the same way. And you I mean you talk about the baseball analytics revolution, like the scouts versus mm-hmm. the nerds. It's like it's this whole war almost that it's painted as. But in reality, analytics in in some form has been happening for as long as football has been happening. It's about it's about gathering data. It's about what insights you can glean from that data. And I think that you know, from my approach coming at it from a mathematical background, like you just have to know kind of the soundness of what you're doing with that data. People talk about one of the biggest misconceptions being, oh, if you run the ball 25 times in a game, you win like 80% of the time, right? I mean, that's been pretty strongly debunked because obviously run when you're ahead, but Mm -hmm. you don't run to win. You, You pass to win and then you run to hold on to that win. So things like that, those misconceptions. But I mean, as far back as Bill Walsh was like one of the first ultimate football nerds and he did with the data he had at his disposal enough to make those 49ers into a dynasty. So I think that advanced analytics is, it's hard to define because it's anything that is just gathering data and using it to your advantage, whether that's your dynasty league mates, whether that's, you know, yards per carry after contact. There's just so many different ways to think about it. Yeah, analytics, it doesn't have to be this kind of intimidating phrase. I think a lot of people see that, they hear the word analytics, and they run the other way. They go, I don't want it to right. do it's too like, much. They, they, it's they picture that. some some nerd in their base in their mother's basement who's like never never seen a woman or watched a football game in their life. And that's just it's, it's not quite that extreme. But breaking news, you can date women and use analytics to win in football, just so everyone knows. You can do both. They're not mutually I, I, exclusive. Yeah. It it has been disproven, yeah. It, <laughs> that has been debunked over and over. And a lot of the winning teams in the NFL, they use analytics. They just aren't super public about it. You know, I'm a Patriots mm-hmm. guy. I've been in New England my whole life. So I've been front row to watching the dynasty kind of unfold from beginning to end. And Belichick was absolutely in on analytics. Yes, he wasn't the going forward on fourth down type of guy, but you know, he was using analytics. He had Ernie Adams that was there to kind of give him information. He just wasn't super public about it. So yeah. now that the revolution's kind of taking over, we've seen, you know, um kind of the guys who use analytics and, and excel with them, they've kind of been pushed to the front of the stage for good reason because it's smart process, right? Yeah. I mean, look at the Lions last year, for example, right? I know that, I mean, Dan Campbell worked under Sean Payton, who was notoriously aggressive on fourth down. And then the Lions also are, I know for a fact, they're developing their analytics staff. Their offensive coordinator was super sharp and they were one of the most efficient teams at knowing when to go for fourth downs and taking advantage of their offensive strengths. And that was, that's just awesome to see. And I mean, look at the two teams that were in the Super Bowl. Eagles, mm-hmm. one of the most analytically minded organizations in the league. I think they have one of the highest numbers of just analytic staffers, period. And then the Chiefs hired the guy who won the NFL Big Data Bowl, which is a competition that the NFL hosts every year. Using They make tracking data publicly available for this competition. This guy who won it two years ago, the Chiefs hired him as an assistant coach and th- that particular year it was on like studying defensive back play and how to make your defensive backfield more efficient and what do you know the chiefs are getting amazing defensive back play out of all these rookies it's like i think they clearly know what they're doing and they're not advertising it they're not going to tell everyone else in the league oh hey guys like right. you know Here's we, our just hired, we just hired this it? guy and and this is why our defense is is all good in the in the you know in the backfield all of a sudden but these things are working behind the scenes. It's, it's like, a, like a secretive arms race between the NFL teams. It's really cool to see. I got a question for you, but before I get to it, I want to hear a little bit from one of our sponsors. So stay tuned. Hey, it's the Podfather. Now in the offseason, 
I get into baseball, I get into basketball, and my preferred platform to play fantasy sports is Rival Fantasy because Rival Fantasy has challenges where you can just take a guy and say, hey, this guy's going to score more fantasy points than this guy. They put two shortstops together, pick one. Point guards, pick one. Spoiler alert, you should pick Damian Lillard. <laughs> or they have the Fantasy Book where you could pick over, under, over, under, over, under, and up to five guys, and then the more you pick, your potential payout quickly escalates. And finally, I submit a bingo card, because you can just go over, under, over, under, over, under, across the board, get your fantasy bingo card set, submit it. I'm not the biggest basketball or baseball expert, but I have a hell of a lot of fun playing fantasy sports on RivalFantasy.com. And the best part is, with promo code PLAYER, they refund up to $50 of any losses. So the promo code there is PLAYER on RivalFantasy.com. Go have some fun. So my next question to you, Dario, is should we be targeting players that are on teams or franchises that kind of uh, really kind of lean into the advanced analytics? If you were to have two or three players in mind in a mm-hmm. start or two or three players in mind to trade for, should the tiebreaker be which franchises uses analytics? Does that give them more potentials at plays? Do they go for it more? Are they more you know advanced in how they call plays? Is that something we should be more uh, cognizant of? I think it's it's hard to know this early in the offseason. I think this is something where especially, say, like week three, week four, week five of the season, like you really need to be paying attention to who's running their offenses, how, and just trying to pick up on those early signals that a certain offense is being run more efficiently. I mean, I think, for example, the Broncos last season, everyone thought, oh, man, they're getting rust. This is going to be a huge upgrade. Everyone was expecting sort of the almost like a Stafford level boost to that whole offense. They totally flamed out. Now they're getting Sean Payton. It's just like there's so many changes happening constantly. I think that, I mean, we already mentioned the Lions. I think that retaining their offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, was huge. Mm -hmm. I'm still going to be loving the Lions in fantasy this season. I think that it's hard to say because a lot of times the, the analytical front offices, that just applies like very broadly, like the Eagles, for example, super, super sharp team. But if you look at their pass, like if you look at their running backs, Miles Sanders wasn't really catching passes last year. He did, he did great, but he, he certainly didn't quite hit his absolute maximum ceiling season. It's hard to know just how offenses are going to deploy their players, regardless of whether that team is a more analytically sharp team or not. And I think also it's hard for us to know from the outside which teams are particularly the sharpest analytically. I think it brings it, it kind of like comes to fruition a lot of things like who they draft, how they scout. And it's, I don't know how directly that translates to fantasy. I think that that's something, at least for me personally, I don't bring that into my process too much. I just try to look at Mm -hmm. that team, that player and look at those, you know, the basic fantasy points, like the stats that I point to, to try to indicate whether I believe in that offense or not. And, you know, sometimes that coincides with a sharp analytical team, but sometimes it doesn't. I mean, I think there's teams like the commanders where you can just say, okay, yeah, like they're, they're pretty flawed in just about every aspect. Like maybe we'll mm-hmm. fade them all together, but that's just the first one that came to mind. <laughs> Sorry, right. commanders fans, if you're out there. Um, <laughs> but I think it, it's really hard to, to paint with a broad brush and say, oh, we want players on teams who are, sharper because it's just not that cut and dry i think but even so it might not be so obvious but 
you know, you mentioned the Chiefs, you mentioned the Eagles, you mentioned the Lions, and all of those teams provide a nice punch of fantasy players, and they use those type of analytics. But I would say on the other side, you do have to be a little careful. You know, Brandon Staley and the uh, I almost said San Diego Chargers, but the Los Angeles Chargers, they're very analytically minded in how they go about their decision-making, and they're not as fruitful in fantasy as we kind of want. We want them to be even more so. So mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of understand what you're saying there, but I think what I'm getting out of this is also follow the personnel, not just the players, but the mm-hmm. personnel on the sidelines, the guys who are making the calls, Ben Johnson, for one. Is there a team, and I'm putting you on the spot here, so if you can, you can say, I don't know. You can say, I don't know, we'll look it up and we'll post it later. <laughs> is there a team that maybe brought on a particular coordinator that you go, aha, this is one of those guys, I need to get some players on this team? I mean, it's funny because I literally just bagged on the commanders, but I think Eric Bieniemy, it does give me some optimism that they'll know more so what they're doing on offense this year. They're still kind of without a quarterback. I think, you know, they're, they're going to give Sam Howell a shot. I think that he, he deserves that shot, but you know, he's still, what was he? I think it was a fourth or fifth round pick. It's, it's going to be, it might be still pretty ugly in Washington, even yeah. with the enemy, but I, I'm trying to think who, who, I mean, honestly, you mentioned the chargers already and them hiring Kellen Moore after the Cowboys fired him, that's probably the one that I, one of the ones I'm most excited about for their situation. Because I mean, you, it's funny because you, you literally just mentioned the Chargers, and I think that the misconception is like, oh yeah, like Brandon Staley, all these fourth downs, all this stuff. But I think that he, like the way that they were running that offense, they were, they've been near the top of the league in pass attempts the last two or three seasons as long as they've had Justin Herbert. So I think that. Kellen Moore and his aggression that he's bringing that he's had on that Cowboys offense is going to hopefully bring more of a vertical element to the Chargers Mm. and I think that I mean they obviously need a receiver who can stretch a defense vertically I think you know Mike Williams more of a jump ball guy Keenan Allen very much an underneath slot guy Josh Palmer is not going to burn you I think hopefully they draft a a speedy young receiver in the first but you you know we'll see what happens but I think that Kellen Moore with the Chargers is probably the number one answer to that question. Awesome. So I will be breaking a little bit of ties there. And also, you know, the commanders, they kind of were ancient in their approach. Getting a guy like Biennemi could take him into the newest century and potentially get more uh, uh, innovative play calling, better, uh, mm-hmm. you know, diagnostics in terms of the plays that get guys open. Uh, my next question to you, it's a selfish one because I've always looked at it. I've used it, but I don't know if I quite understand it to, as, as well as I should. What is EPA? Okay. This is, this is a good one. I think this is something a lot of fans, it's like, it, it's a random number, right? It just looks like a decimal. You can, you can tell where someone is ranked within the league, but it is kind of a, a tricky one to unpack, but, Basically, imagine that every yard line and every situation is assigned a point value of like what the typical outcome should be. So if you're at first and goal from the one yard line, that's going to be almost seven points because 99% of the time that's going to result in a touchdown and an extra point. And if you're at your own 25 yard line and it's fourth and 10, it's probably going to be a negative number. It's probably like negative 1.5 because you're obviously about to punt and then the resulting drive from the opposing team results in an average of 1.5 points. So that's kind of where the, the every situation has an expected point value, and then expected points added, EPA, is how much expected points you gained on one play to the next. So if you go from, let's say, first and 10 at your own 25-yard line, it's probably like maybe one and a half, two points, very typical start of a drive, and you have a 74-yard bomb, gets you to that one-yard line, 
where the expected points is 6.8, mm-hmm. then you added w- roughly 4.8 points of expected value on that one play. So you take that, you average it out across pass plays, run plays, do it for the defense, do it for the offense, and then you get the expected points per play for for the team. And they have all kinds of, excuse me, <laughs> I just, I get so <laughs> excited about this stuff. Um, <laughs> but you get, um, then you end up with like, basically you average that out across every play and you have a big sample size of every team. And it really just helps you understand like how efficient those offenses are being. I mean, EPA per play, like it's so funny. I have uh, one of my roommates from college always gives me a hard time, but I, I think I'm, I'm still would call myself a Jameis Winston truther because Jameis, I mean, for all his flaws, yeah. he was always near the top of the leaderboard in EPA per play. He, he was, he was making up for those risks with all those throws that he would only Jameis wouldn't, you know, you just watch those plays. It's like, Oh man, only Jameis would have even attempted that throw. Right. And once you average it all out, he still comes out pretty good. I remember in fantasy, he was putting up some crazy numbers for us those seasons in Tampa when he was throwing it to Mike Evans. And I still, I still hope that he gets a starting job somewhere, but that's a big tangent from EPA per play, but, but yeah, it, I think he that, doesn't look like he's going to, he's now wanting to be the backup in new Orleans because he likes to, Eat them dubs <laughs> over there in New Orleans, I guess. Yeah, I think that. I mean, from what I read, he's yeah, he, he he's like still trying to get his health all together because he's had yeah. like three major injuries the last two seasons. So he's like, you know, I'll chill as a backup, make a couple million, and easy peasy. And yeah, we'll see what Biggie, happens. Live in but, New Orleans, which is there are worse places to live. Yeah, exactly. Than New Orleans, but but yeah, I think that that's kind of the lowdown on EPA. And then I think that that's, that's what makes it so interesting is you can look at it. Oh, what's this offense's EPA on first down, second down, early pass plays, early run plays. And you can see just like the efficiency of the offense and the defense in so many situations. It's a really good guide for understanding which quarterbacks are the best. It's funny because Jimmy Garoppolo would always come out a little bit high in EPA per play. People wonder why that happens. And it's like, well, you know, Kyle Shanahan is why that happens. Yes, but, he's the goat for that type of uh but I think that overall, if you guys haven't heard of RB's RBSDM.com, it's like short for running backs don't matter. So it's kind of leaning into the whole nerdy thing, but they have the best EPA, <laughs> yeah. just like graphics. You can look for all kinds of charts and filters, look at EPA on a game level, on a season level, offense, defense, quarterbacks. It's, it's a great resource. Ben Baldwin on Twitter is the guy who put that together and it's pretty remarkable. So to bring this to fantasy, so I'm looking at a player. Let's just say it's week seven. So the the, the sample size isn't minute. It, it's it's substantial. And we're looking at a guy who's top 10 in EPA. But you look up in his production numbers, his counting stats aren't quite there yet. And then you look and you see his opportunity share is a little bit low. All of a sudden you hear a rumor that he's going to get more playing time. He's going to get more reps. That would be your perfect buy candidate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's tough with running backs to parse out like – EPA per play is still kind of a, a team level stat, right? Good quarterbacks can be bogged down. Bad quarterbacks can be brought. I mean, you just mentioned Jimmy. And like, I think especially with running backs, they have even less control over the outcome of the plays where they're given the ball than, than a quarterback does. Like you, you mm-hmm. can't control the guys blocking in front of you or the scheme. So I think that EPA applying it purely to running backs is, is interesting. But I think that the, the tricky part is you definitely have to look at EPA per carry or EPA per touch because the overall sort of EPA 
it, it like it, it's actually pretty interesting if you look at the player pages if you go to like jonathan taylor saquon barkley their total epa is like super negative you're like what's up with this but in reality that's an outcome that is based on the fact that running the ball is inherently less efficient than throwing the ball the typical running play has a negative epa mm-hmm. so these guys who lead the league in touches lead the league in carries actually accumulate a very large mm. negative epa so in a way, I think that those guys who do have a positive EPA in a small sample are guys who I think you want to target in fantasy. Perfect. So we talked about EPA. I wanted to ask you about another metric. So, or all the metrics. What are some of your uh, favorites or that you think that fantasy managers should lean on? Like, are some better than others in terms of fantasy success? Mm-hmm. I think for receivers, this is particularly interesting. I mean, we have um, this is relatively new. Only starting last season, we charted whether a receiver won their route on every single route. Like I think, you know, not to bag on reception perception, Matt Harmon does a ton of awesome stuff, but I believe he, you know, he's one person. He can only chart so many games, right? But we at player profiler, we can pay people to chart as many games as, as we possibly want to chart. And we chart every route for every receiver. And then that's how we generate the route win rate that you see on the receivers player pages. So Route win rate for me, I mean, it is it's a huge new new development that we've been working on. It's it's completely public, very rare that you see something like that. And then we also have like route win rate versus man, win rate versus zone, average target separation versus man and zone. I like to look at things like that. And then a simple one that I think is just like, you know, tried and true, can't go wrong is yards per route run. Like a mm-hmm. guy who is efficient on his yards per route run is probably a good receiver more often than not. If you look at the list, of guys who, for example, the best single rookie seasons of yards per route run, it's just loaded with studs. It's like A.J. Brown, Odell Beckham, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave last season, and my Garrett Wilson last season. There's just, that to me is like pretty pretty straightforward of an elite stat. And then we take that one step further with formation adjusted yards per route run, which kind of helps you basically remove the bias of how many receivers were there on the field. Cause if you think about yards per route run and you're running a route, but you're one of four receivers on the field, you're less likely to get the ball than someone who's running all their routes in two receiver sets. So formation adjusted yards per route run is just yards per route run normalized for the formations that you were able to be on the field for. Yeah. Yards per route run is one of my favorites as well. Um, it gives you a, a nice snapshot of who's the truly elite talents. Like if you go to the data analysis to onplayerprofile.com, which I highly recommend you check out, especially after talk, uh, listening to Dario here, because all that, all that information that he's saying will be fresh in your mind. Go over to use that data analysis to player profiler and play around and kind of check out certain things. But when you look at who was the, you know, the number one uh, qualified receivers in yards per route run, you're, you're talking about the Tyreek Hills, AJ Brown, Stefan Diggs, Jalen Waddle, Justin Jefferson. The stud of the stud. So absolutely love using that. Uh, is there, and then you mentioned the, the format adjustment, but is there one that maybe people aren't using enough that they should be? Ooh, I think that that's tough. I have to, you know, it's so funny because I, I process all these stats, but it just kind of, it's like, it's too much for, for anyone's mind to retain <laughs> all of it. So let me, I'm just going to pull up, um, I don't know. Let's look at Kenny Gainwell's player page. He's, I like he's that. fun. I like people, that. I like Kenny People are Gainwell. excited for him. Yeah. Let me see what um what metrics down there for running backs. I think that so for example, just like right off the bat, 
I my eyes go to route participation, right? How often is that running back on the field when his team is dropping back for pass plays? Because we all know that targets are supremely more valuable than carries for running backs. I think that breakaway run rate is another one for running back that's pretty pretty useful. Unfortunately for Kenny Gainwell, it was zero last year. Mm-hmm. But looking at the number of carries that you're able to get 15 or more yards as a percentage of your total carries, I think this is one that like Tony Pollard has always shined in. Yes. And I mean, God, Tony Paul, I'm so glad he broke out last year. It's, that was awesome to see. It was vindicated. It was, it was yeah, vindication for, for sure. all the love for Tony Pollard, no doubt. And then I think the biggest one for me in season is looking at expected fantasy points per game. We have a model that basically looks at every touch that you get, every target, and where it is on the field. And it basically determines the value of those touches. That is all converted into expected fantasy points. And then if you actually, if you guys are subscribed to the player profiler newsletter last year, you guys would have been getting the DFS Dominator newsletter from myself. And in that newsletter every week, I was putting who was due for the most touchdown regression. This is coming straight off of that expected fantasy points, which has a point called expected touchdowns, which of course you can only get in data analysis. Data analysis has way, way, way more stats Mm. than you see on the player pages. Like there's so many variations of every stat. And then, yeah, so you look at the expected touchdowns and then who's had how many touchdowns and then you get like sort of who's overperforming or underperforming their touchdown potential. I mean, that led us right to Joe Mixon and his five touchdown game and that expected touchdown model. It just seems like every week I put the top five running backs, top five receivers in terms of touchdown regression. And it seems like every week, three of those five guys scored that week. So Mm -hmm. you really got to be paying attention to the expected touchdowns if you're not already. I've, I loved using that stat this year, but I think I might have been using it wrong because the way I kind of interpreted it because of my, I, you know, I've, I've been playing a lot of fantasy baseball too. So the expected batting averages and the expected stats, uh, when I see someone who has more fantasy points than the expected, I think they're it due for negative aggression. But I think we were kind of using it opposite. Is that true? Was I wrong there? I think, I think it kind of goes both ways. Like guys who are overperforming their expectation are probably doing so because of touchdowns. And right. They might be a sell high in fantasy, for example. Okay, so like, we were I mean, kind of locked up. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, after three weeks, was the perfect example mm-hmm. of this, right? Like, he was crushing, and he had five touchdowns the first three weeks. But his usage, I mean, Pacheco was already getting carries. McKinnon was still seeing snaps. His usage and his expected fantasy points were way lower than his actual fantasy points. I mean, that was, like, the most obvious sell high in the history of fantasy football, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that that's, like... I, I think, yeah, it's kind of, it goes both ways. I like to think of the perspective of, of who's going to get touchdowns that hasn't yet, mm-hmm. but I think getting the guys who have overperformed off your roster in a dynasty league, in a seasonal league is just as important to pay attention to. So five, let's, let's again, let's tie it back into the fantasy. We're in week five. There's a, there's a receiver or a running back or a tight end. You look at his fantasy points per game. It's 15.2. But you look at his expected fantasy points per game, it's 12.3. And you look, he has five touchdowns in those first five games. Uh, If he is not a superstar, because superstars, they score touchdowns. If he's not a superstar, is that your perfect sell candidate? Oh, yeah. And if he was a superstar, he probably would be getting enough work that his expected fantasy point total would be higher. (laughs) Yeah, right, right, right. You're you're looking at a fake superstar, like a guy who got lucky the first five weeks, maybe. I like that. Okay, looking for fake superstars now. And yeah, absolutely. I think that's a sell high candidate. You know, it's always tricky because you're kind of playing a game where 
your league mates are also, you know, online. They're aware of the fact that people are saying, oh, sell so-and-so, buy so-and-so. So it's, you know, if it were as easy to sell someone the moment you wanted to, then then we'd all be winning our leagues every single yeah. year. But I think that, you know, it's just a matter of looking for that opportunity. I remember there's a some very influential research, at least in, in my formation of opinions, by Adam Harstad over on Football Guys. And he basically wrote an article a while back talking about how it's at week four is the inflection point where the stats that have happened to date become more predictive than ADP. So mm. for example, if you're looking at a running back who you drafted as like RB25 and he's been just God awful the first two weeks of the season, like you should probably still, I mean, like, you know, this is very, very general terms, but if it's only been two weeks, ADP is still more predictive of the rest of season outcomes than the performances that have taken place so far. Now, obviously, okay. there's going to be there's going to be signal in that. There's things like Snapchat, like they, they could have just lost their job or whatever. Mm-hmm. But overall, if some guy is just kind of like still on the field, fluky underperformances, you I think week four is is just kind of I always keep that in mind. Like if it's week one, two, or three, I'm still kind of looking for guys who are are a value. Like for example, the perfect the perfect example that comes to mind a couple of years ago, it was two seasons ago when Mark Andrews just completely lit the world on fire down the stretch. Right. The first two weeks, he was garbage. I mean, I I was this close to trading Marvin Jones for him straight up in a seasonal league because Marvin Jones had scored a touchdown in both of those first two weeks and Mark Andrews had just been a total dud and the, the other owner just backed off at the last second and then, you know, the rest of the season played out and I was just like, damn it, I really should have pressed that guy to get Mark Andrews oh, yeah. cheap right. after week two. But that's, I think that's, you know, things like that. You just have to be aware of the fact that especially the first couple of weeks, everyone's overreacting. ADP is still more predictive until week four. Okay. So that, that's, that's really, really smart to, to, I'm glad you brought that up because all of our listeners keep that in mind next year. I know it's a long ways away till fantasy points become real again before the season kicks off, but give your players four weeks. Don't be the guy who sold Jonathan Taylor in 2021 after back-to-back single-digit scoring in week two and week three because you would have looked like a damn putz and you probably <laughs> lost that year because you gave away a superstar. So give them four weeks until the uh, the, the the statistics, the advanced metal, uh, analytics kind of saturize, kind of become normal, something that we can really sink our teeth into. We're talking about metrics, right? that help us but are there metrics that folks should be careful of maybe they're a little bit misleading in how you uh interpret them i mean i think first and foremost just like yards per carry for running backs right i mean i talked about how how epa is a little little deceptive i think people people love yards per carry and i mean even more so deceptive i think is yards per touch there's this thing in math it's called simpson's law where basically if you're taking an average of two things but those averages can be biased then you're going to end up with that second average being like the average of those averages being a little bit misleading Mm -hmm. perfect example of this is yards per touch because yards per touch combines your receptions and your carries but receptions on average are going to get a lot more yards than carries so if you have a guy like chase edmonds who gets many more receptions per relative to carries than a guy like i don't know deontay foreman who basically never catches the ball right right um chase edmonds yards per touch is going to be higher because he's getting those receptions but yards per touch is just overall a very misleading stat because it biases the receptions and the carries treats them equally when they're very much not created equally 
So would route participation might be uh, a way to kind of counterbalance yards per touch if they see that route participation for a running back, for example, is maybe an outlier in terms of how much they participate in running routes. Could that be a way for folks to kind of fact check the yards per touch? Because what we want to do is Mm -hmm. give them the good information, but also ways that they can make it even better and apply it to their fantasy teams. Right, right, for sure. I think that, you know, rather than saying, oh, this guy's yards per touch is better than that guy's, so this guy must be better. I would look at both of their route participations if, you know, guy number one is getting a lot more opportunity to run routes than then like that could be a sign that maybe the yards per touch doesn't matter and you should be looking mm. at other stats. I think it's tricky to unpack all of that because at the same time, we want running backs who are involved in the passing game. But I just think that yards per touch is a bad way of comparing running backs and analyzing who's better than who else. Because, I mean, like, for example, going back to Chase Edmonds, when he was sharing a backfield with James Conner, James Conner was seeing a lot more carries than mm-hmm. Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds gets hurt. James Conner eats up all of that receiving value, and he's a league winner. If And we've seen Chase Edmonds last year in Miami. We all thought, oh, man, he's going to finally get that workload. He's so efficient. He can, he can get those 200 carries and those 100 targets, and he just totally flamed out. They traded him before the end of the season. So I think you know, paying attention to only yards per touch as a method of comparing who's a better running back is, is really like if there's one thing you shouldn't do it would be that okay yeah i mean there are certain metrics that you should probably uh use to kind of just fact check yourself on those things like yards per touch because all of a sudden like you said a factor can change something can swap in their approach as an offense as a whole and it could take one guy and all of a sudden make him the third town back and the other guy being more of, you know, your goal line type, up the middle runner type. So uh, that's definitely a good process there. Uh, one question I do want to ask, though, are there some common misconceptions about advanced metrics in general that people should be aware of? I mean, I think aside from the from the big misconception at the top that, like, it's 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 this big scary thing that, that you know, it's just like some nerds came up with in a lab. Like, I think – you know, it, it all comes from a place of wanting to better understand football, right? Like that's that's why I do what I do, right? Is mm-hmm. like, hey, can we get ahead of fantasy trends and figure out which players are good? Let the people know and and keep this player profiler stat machine running. I mean, you mentioned data analysis. I think I, I would be uh, remiss if I did not mention the fact that we are like we're we're this close to a whole new version of data. Like, if you guys love yes. data analysis, now we're gonna have. We're just like prepare to have your minds blown. That's all so I'm gonna excited. say. And if you guys, if you guys aren't player profiler subscribers already, or if you know, I know some people. I think very few do subscribe and try data analysis, and it's good, but th- they wish it did more. It's it's about to be just like a flamethrower of statistic oh. possibilities. Like you guys, I mean, and anything that your heart could desire in terms of like you know, improvements to the usability improvements to like comparing across positions, being able to export as many stats as you want, being able to save the same query and go back and run that exact same report week after week without having to check all the same boxes and knowing and memorizing what your favorite stats are. You can just save that whole report. It's going to be mind blowing. You guys just have to have to subscribe to data analysis if you haven't already. One bonus question from the chat. My man, Jason Allwine, is cushion useful for tight ends? Cushion for tight ends. That's, that's interesting. I think that 
it it's tough because for for tight ends, I think we only measure their cushion when they're lined up out wide and there's a cornerback on them. I think that the cushion for a tight end might not be as telling when they're lined up in line. And then the usage, I think that there's just like so many tight end is kind of the most interesting position in football in the way that they have to block mm-hmm. catch passes. They're, they're kind of like, I, I think they probably have to know as much as the quarterback about everything that that's going on. So I think that there's just so many variables that go into fantasy usage for a tight end that I don't think you can reduce it to one stat. The biggest one I would look at is of course, route participation, just simply are they running routes when that team is dropping back to pass? Like, I mean, Mike Gesicki, right. Kind of a good example of this. The dolphins wanted to use him last year more as a blocker. That just wasn't his game. But Mm -hmm. in his first couple seasons, when he was more productive in fantasy, it was because he was a guy that was, basically a slot receiver who's running routes every day on play. So I think that's, that's a big thing I like to look at. And then we also have yards per route run for tight ends. So you can see which tight ends are really efficient on just running routes. Chega Conquo last year, absolute stud in yards per route run. He's going to see a bigger role with Austin Mm -hmm. Hooper out of the way. He's gone to Las Vegas. I think, I mean, obviously there's plenty of Chig hype already, but I think that I, I'm I'm going to see myself as someone pouring gasoline onto that fire this offseason, maybe. Get yourself some Chig Okonkwo. So you talked about the data analysis tool and the improvements that are coming. I think that's a perfect segue to the second segment on today's show, using the breakout finder and the injury finder to win in fantasy. So you are the mastermind behind it. I teased it at the top of the show. <laughs> so tell all of our listeners, what is the breakout finder and what is the injury finder for those who are not hip? Yeah, I mean, this is like, th- these are just two of, I think, the most innovative things happening in the fantasy football industry, period. Because basically, these, these are just like simple iOS or, or Google Play apps that you can go download. It's only $5, and you're just going to get so much more fantasy knowledge at your disposal. The Breakout Finder looks at the incoming class. And basically, the way we judge a breakout is if a player either reaches 200 fantasy points, 1,000 yards rushing, or I think, I think it's 1,000 or 800 yards receiving one of those thresholds. We have a threshold for what is considered a breakout season. And then that probability that is considered their breakout rating is what is the probability of this prospect ever having a breakout season in the NFL? The highest receiver in this class, for example, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think he's in the high 50s, which is really good. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I think the highest that we have in the database at all is Sammy Watkins. He was, I mean, he was like the golden wide receiver prospect back in 2014. He was. Oh Julio my Jones God. is way up there. But yeah, and anything like running backs, we do have a little bit, they have a bit of a higher range. Like I think Bijan Robinson is close to Saquon Barkley's all-time high for the breakout rating. Cause I mean, it's like these guys who are probably going to get first round draft capital. And then it's just, it's just easier to translate touches as running backs into a breakout season mm-hmm. and draft capital translates to touches. I mean, Trent Richardson had a breakout season as a rookie for crying out loud. Yes, so, he did. Yeah. So Top five, if I remember correctly, I think so. Yeah. So that's that's what the breakout rating does. The breakout finder also has other stats that go into the breakout finder model. So like you can look at the components that go into this, like the teammate score, the level of competition, and the dynamic score. These are all different kind of metrics we've come up with that help us find the attributes that make a good receiver. Dynamic score being like how involved were you on special teams or in the running game 
when you were a receiver. For running backs, we have something called receiver rating, which is like how involved were you as a receiver? Because that's very mm-hmm. predictive of fantasy breakouts. So there's just so many variables and you get access to all of this information, only $5 and then and then it's $5 to unlock the most recent class. So when you download the app, you'll have the entire database up to 2022. And then with a $5 in-app purchase, you unlock the 2023 class and you'll have all the data at your disposal. And then you can go into your rookie drafts being the most informed out of everyone in your league. Yes, absolutely love that. $10 to take down your fantasy league seems like chump change. Absolutely worth doing now. I think a lot of people listening like, okay, well, I know that Jackson Smith and Jigba and Bijan Robinson are the highlights of the class, but how can they use the breakout finder to find those diamonds in the rough? I mean, I think Isaiah Pacheco last season was a guy that the mm-hmm. breakout finder kind of sneakily loved. Christian Watson, another one. I mean, Christian Watson was a very polarizing prospect. Breakout finder absolutely loved his profile and i mean i can't give away any secrets in this no class you guys, you guys gotta go click on class. the link in the description yes. and go download the app yourself because i can't I, mean, I can't give anything away here but i can tell you that the breakout finder model has pretty much crushed year in and year out i think tyler algier was another one that we were kind of the, the breakout finder was higher on than the sort of industry consensus and mm-hmm. you know we gave you a thousand yards breakout season right right there as a rookie so there's just a lot to love from, from that you can find in the app. Now, what about the injury finder? How can we use? How can our listeners use that to, to better themselves in fantasy? So the, the injury finder is on a season to season basis, rather than looking at the player's career. And this tells you the probability that they'll miss two or more games in that particular season. So, you know, Christian McCaffrey absolutely proved the model wrong last year. I think he had one of the highest injury forecast probabilities yeah but and that's what happens that's the nature of probability but other guys who were and way he's an there, outlier of outliers of outliers yeah <laughs> the like, other guys he's, he's the freak yeah and some of the other guys who had very high uh injury probabilities last season were oh i don't know elijah mitchell raheem mostert <laughs> rashad penny like these these things yeah. are um yeah you know people think of injuries as being completely random but at the end of the day if you have you know if you're coming back from an acl injury like the rest of that leg is going to be a little bit more susceptible to injury. If you're a little bit older and you've had an injury history, that's that's a bit of a red flag. So this is a model that looks at how many times has that player been tackled over the last five seasons? How many times mm-hmm. have they been on the injury report? How many times have they missed a game? How severe have those injuries been? Factors all of that in, and then you basically get the fragility rating, which tells you on a per-touch basis how injury-prone is that player and you know one being the least and 10 being the highest i think naheem hines last year i was surprised to find that he's basically never gotten hurt <laughs> so he had yeah, one right, of the lowest right, injury right. ratings and then um that that's on a scale of one to ten the fragility rating which is on a, like a per touch understanding of how injury prone is this guy mm-hmm. and then the injury probability factors in our projected workloads for those guys and then it kind of juices you up or down depending on how much you're expected to touch the ball for example Debo Samuel because he gets so many more carries than other receivers right. that raised his injury probability even more than it was already you know kind of high because he's had an injury history but the fact he's getting carries on top of the number of receptions and targets that he sees just kind of jacked up his injury probability ever so slightly. And, you know, he did unfortunately miss a couple of games last season. So it's something that I, you know, I wouldn't, I think it's something you should use as a tiebreaker in cases where you're looking at guys with similar profiles and similar spots in your draft. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, you know, have it be the first and only thing I'm thinking about when I'm drafting. Cause at the end of the day, 
like I said, upside wins championships. Christian McCaffrey was, in my right. opinion, should have been the correct pick at the 101 last season over Jonathan Taylor because of that upside case. What do you know? Taylor gets hurt, McCaffrey stays healthy, and McCaffrey mm-hmm. wins people championships. So it's it's one variable to consider, but I think it the model in and of itself did a really good job predicting injuries last season. Yeah, I think often we realize, we think that injuries, like you said, are random and they happen because they're playing such a tough sport. But they're a little bit more predictive than I think anyone really gave credence to. So that Injury Finder app for in-season decision-making, it, it's it's fantastic. You, you talked about it at the top of the segment, but why don't, I want to ask you again now. Now that you've gotten everyone's attention, you've lured them in with all the great features of the Breakout Finder and Injury Finder, where can folks find it? Yeah, so just you know, go to the App Store, go to the Google Play Store, it's Injury Finder, Breakout Finder. It's right there. I think you know. I believe, Maddie, you, you promised you would get the links in the description. I link will be in the description. Absolutely, I can't check you it right now. But, get to it. but we'll, we'll 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 get people going that way. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, obviously, you're you're supporting player profiler, which is huge. Like every everything helps. But also, I think we're creating resources that are available at a very user-friendly price that mm-hmm. are going to just absolutely change the way you look at fantasy football, whether it be the rookie class or just injury histories. And you can compare in both of these apps, you can compare different players, different prospects or different you know, veterans in comparing in the injury model. And there's just so much like so much information that you can mm-hmm. get from, from us here at Player Profiler. Like you said, go to the App Store, go to the Google Play Store, two words, breakout finder get ahead of your rookie drafts and the injury finder data for 2023 will be coming very soon yeah get ahead get i mean it's easy peasy you grab you just go to your you just go to your your app store download it you know spend a little bit more money and all of a sudden now you have this information in your hands that your league mates will not have friends which we all love to do in fantasy i gotta ask you personally you're the guy behind the scenes but as a user of these tools, what are your favorite features of the Breakout Finder and Injury Finder? So my favorite feature of the Injury Finder app by far is when you compare two players, you can see a historical trend line of comparing their fragility ratings. So I think this is really interesting for guys like Keenan Allen, for example, who were kind of injury prone early on in their careers. And then you see that trend line kind of just tick Mm -hmm. down as he has healthy season after healthy season. Obviously last year he got hurt, so that'll probably bounce back up. But I just love that chronological comparison between the two players that you get out of the injury finder. And then I think in the breakout finder, it just has to be all these little alternate variables that go into the model that we give you access to. You can see who had the toughest college competition. You can see who had the best teammates on the field with them. You can look at all these variables that go into the model and kind of create your own understanding for why those guys were particularly you know loved by the model or or disliked and i think that there's just so much like i said just so much information you can glean from these apps that it's like how how could you not want to do this yeah like you said it's easy to get and the information's fantastic uh but that's basically going to wrap up the uh the breakout finder injury finder usage segment uh dario thank you so so much for coming on the game plan the information, the sheer volume of information has been tremendous. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch this, re-listen, yeah. so I can jot down the notes because I, I want to make sure that I'm taking my dynasty to the next level. I'm taking my fantasy game to the next level uh, using advanced analytics, using the proper tools, all that good stuff. Uh, and your homework assignment, ladies and gentlemen, listening to the game plan is 
download the breakout finder and soon enough download the injury finder use these tools to help you win in fantasy it's easy get them and you'll absolutely take your dynasty to the next level and my final thought for today's show don't get intimidated by advanced metrics dio just did a great job spent an hour here telling you what you can look for what to be careful for it doesn't have to be all you know, film or all analytics, marriage the two together, marry the two together, and then you can get a really, really strong process to help you win in fantasy. So Dario, please tell everyone listening where they can find you on social media and where they can find your content. Yeah, you can find me at Dario Ofstein on Twitter. I cut just very simple, my first name and my last name. And then oh. I think you, you'll find my work just, just all across player profile. Like you said, I mean, the seasonal rankings, um, we're hard at work. We are, we've had seasonal projections up since early, I think it was late February. And we've been ready for this 2023 season just for, for a month already. And then we've got best ball rankings. We've mm-hmm. got FFPC rankings. And then during the season, the seasonal projections, I just had uh, my intern, Evan, analyze the accuracy of our week-to-week season, like in-season projections. And they did a pretty good job, I'll say. Like I think if, if you guys are not subscribed yeah. and using yes, our weekly rankings and our DFS tools, you guys are missing out because there's definitely a very significant edge to be gained. I know for a fact that Aaron Stewart, our head of social media, he was leveraging our projections against prediction strikes projections and just raking in the dough on prediction strike. So there's just there's just so much that you can find over at Player Profiler. And like I said, follow me at Twitter at Dario Offstein. And that, that's about it for me. Dario, thank you so much for coming on the game plan. The information you brought to the table was second to none. And like I said, I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to make sure I got all the nooks and crannies and I understand everything that you brought. But that's going to put a bow on episode 29. Make sure you like this video and subscribe to the Player Profiler YouTube channel. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Matty Kiwum. And make sure you're following the Player Profiler TikTok accounts at Player Profiler and Profiler underscore NFL because we got videos coming out all day, every day. And if you you love fantasy football be sure to join the player profiler discord channel where me dario and other members of the underworld are talking fantasy 24 7 so keep on game planning my friends and i will talk to you next week peace